Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today's topic is the soul of America as expressed by Theodore Parker. Please welcome Reverend Thomas Perchlick of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. In 2002, Dean Grodzins published a book entitled Theodore Parker, American Heretic. The word heretic is a Christian one. It comes from the Greek root heretikos, to be able to choose. To the orthodox, the heretic has chosen wrong belief. To the heterodox, the heretic has chosen the right path against the perversions of orthodoxy. For the true religious person, vital religion is not found in what you choose, but in the act of choosing, in testing your choices, and choosing again. And a great American heretic, one who chose a path, who followed the leadings, who saw religion not as something forced on him by an authoritarian deity or forced on him by a religious orthodoxy, but something that one had to seek and to explore for oneself was the Reverend Theodore Parker. Everyone in America should know something about Theodore Parker. For almost anyone, his personal story can be inspiring. For Americans, his writing and speaking influenced how we understand the core of our nation. For Unitarian Universalists, his theology deeply influenced the character of that religious movement. I can remember clearly the first time I ever heard of Theodore Parker. I was with a group of ministers. We were discussing the great thinkers of the early 1800s. After a little while, one minister said, Ah, and then there's Parker. He said this in the way that some people will say, And then there is chocolate. All the other ministers nodded their heads in warm agreement, except for me, who did not know it at that moment, how wonderful Parker's thinking could be. I was happy to see a new, the new biography of Parker that came out in 2002. In it, the author says that people loved Theodore Parker or they hated him. He was a saint, prophet, and a tribune, or an infidel, a fanatic, and a demagogue. Many believed and some feared that he was the most influential minister in the mid-19th century America. Because of his high moral and thoughtful character, according to Reverend Annie Forrester, minister at St. John's Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, some called him the best-hated man in America. Though he died just before the opening of the Civil War, his influence on this nation was felt long after that war ended. The centennial of Parker's birth in 1910 was marked by major celebrations. His life and works were treated in all the major literary histories of that time. Parker was born in 1810 to a very poor family. His father was an itinerant, wandering worker and a maker of pumps. Despite such hard-scrabble beginnings, Theodore Parker climbed to great success as an adult. Grodzins underlines his success with these facts. He pastored a congregational society that was the largest free church in the country and the largest church of any kind in Boston. 
In the 1850s, almost 3,000 people went weekly to hear him preach. It was nearly 2% of the entire city. But many of those who, for various reasons, could not leave their own congregations on Sunday also wanted to hear his sermons. And thus it was that some 50,000 listened to him lecture every year in lyceums from Maine to Illinois. Meanwhile, thousands more bought his published sermons and addresses, to which he produced, which he produced a never-ending stream, and which found readers on both sides of the Atlantic. Scholars and thinkers alike took his work seriously, and even hostile critics respected his vast erudition. Able to discourse learnedly on almost any topic, he could read more than 20 languages. He even dabbled in some African dialects and took a fling at Russian, which he felt he could never pronounce well enough. Grodzin's biography is wonderful not because of facts and details, which it has uh, perhaps almost too many, but it also reveals much more of the inner events of Parker's life. For instance, I knew that a confrontation at the meeting of the Association of the Boston Association of Ministers marked the parting of ways between Parker and those powerful men. But Grodzins reveals that the meeting ended not simply with a theological debate, with Parker bursting into tears, rushing to get on his coat, leaving, stopping to shake hands with one old friend, but his words catching emotionally in his throat. Parker was an emotional man as well as a great thinker. His personal significance can be found in his character, his talents, his successes in the face of difficulty. From his earliest days, he loved reading and thinking about religion. He knew he wanted to be a minister and was always more devout and pious than anyone in his own family. His father was somewhat an independent thinker, his mother more conventional, but neither is so serious of a religious person as Theodore. He also loved education In 1827-31, as a way of extending his learning, he created a school and taught some 50 children. At Harvard, he wanted to learn French, so he offered offered himself as a tutor to a couple of students and thus learned the language by teaching it. Though Parker passed the entrance exam for Harvard College in 1830, he did not have enough funds to attend. He was allowed, however, to take the exams without enrolling, and he surpassed his fellow students on the final exam. exams and was granted an honorary degree, and then he attended Harvard Divinity School uh, beginning in 1834. His first major scholarly project was an introduction to the Old Testament. During uh, 1836, Parker began attending the now famous Transcendentalist Club, and that same year he graduated from Divinity School. Next year he was ordained and installed as pastor of the Unitarian Church and West Roxbury, Massachusetts. In 1840, he engaged in some debates with the Unitarian curmudgeon Andrews Norton. And the next year, on May 19th, he preached an ordination sermon for Charles C. Shackford, a discourse on the transient and the permanent in Christianity. This sermon, because of public attacks by some conservatives and various responses from Unitarians, made Parker famous. Parker sought to do away with inconsistencies within the religion that he had found. He argued that Jesus should be claimed as a religious authority, not because of the miracles he performed, but in the truth 
the universality of the truth that he spoke. He said the truth of mathematics are, mathematics are not true because Euclid or Pythagoras or some miracle worker said them, but simply because they are true. And so he said it was with the moral demands of Christianity. They would be just as true if Pilate or Judas had said them. And this is what caused such a stir inside and outside of Unitarian circles, his belief that traditional notions of religious authority were false and that only truth, direct and revealed in the human heart and in human lives, could hold sway over our being. Parker's vision was of a new kind of theology pursued with a method of science. As Grodzins put it, we should examine religious phenomenon and then from them induce general principles. Second, we should look within the self for intuitive truths, and from these deduce other truths. Parker said, We see the Christianity of the church as a very poor thing, very little better than heathenism. It makes Christianity a belief, not a life. It takes religion out of the world, and it shuts it up in old books. To his critics, he said, They think the world is coming to an end. Some seem to think Christianity that has stood a thousand years or more of storms will not be able to weather this gale and that truth will have to give it up. For my part, I see that the sun still shines, the rain rains, and the dog barks. And I have doubts whether any new thoughts will overthrow Christianity this time or ever. He explained the nature of religious authority. It must be innate. He said, if religion is innate, it is superfluous to bolster it up with miraculous proofs. If it is not innate, no miraculous proofs, if contrary to reason and human experience, will ever be accepted. Christianity is merely one of many religions and subject to the same tests of its authority that we apply to all others. Christ himself, the highest Religious leader was not infinitely perfect. He did not exhaust God's creative power. Why can we believe that God who created Jesus cannot create even greater revelation? The truth that Parker believed in, he called absolute religion. It was not about practice or statements. It was about nearness to God. Parker derided the conventional piety of his day, fear of retribution, or desire for happiness in this or a future life were low commercial reasons for being religious. Was religion to be merely a working for wages? How foolish to think that humility will be rewarded with splendor and self-denial with luxury. No, character itself is its own recompense. The essence of this absolute religion, Parker said, is not just right action nor just raptures and prayers, which of themselves have no more influence on our lives than the reflection of a rainbow has on a lake. No, the essence of absolute religion is a union with God, a binding together of what has long been separated. It is a participation in the divine nature. It is the divine life, a life which is animated by feelings and prayers, perhaps those raptures which with some make up the whole of religion, a life which shows itself in action, in honesty, prudence, charity. Thus it is a rule of life, not a statute law, but a law of the spirit, a sentiment that steals freshly up to the truth. In February 1845, Parker was ejected from fellowship with the Association of Congregationalist Ministers and began preaching to large crowds at the Melodeon Theater in Boston. 
There he was installed as minister of the newly formed 28th Congregational Society. By 1852, his audiences had grown so large they moved from the Melodeon to the city music hall. He continued to preach on issues of war and peace, the abolition of slavery, on democracy, and on his vision of absolute religion. Sadly, he worked himself to death. He died May 10, 1860, of tuberculosis while traveling in Italy. An ideal developed around him that still lives on today, a variation of the idea of struggling from rags to riches. He was an independent thinker. He was a rebel who struggled against conformity to success. Parkerism became a term not so much for particular doctrines, but for a religious attitude marked by passionate seeking after the truth, an outward life of moral discipline, a public willingness to speak one's dissent on religious matters despite the rejection of others, and an ultimate faith in the success of truth against all falsehood. He said, Truth never yet fell dead in the streets. It has such affinity with the soul. The seed, however broadcast, will catch somewhere and produce its hundredfold. Grodzins believed that his radical approach to religion made him unpopular with the neo-Orthodox of the time and his passionately devout religious nature, his belief in a very personal God, and his belief in the immortality of the soul made him seem alien to many free-thinking liberals, and so he was forgotten. But he should not be. This is especially true for those of us in America who struggle for the soul of America to go back to read Parker's words and to remember the religious foundation of our nation. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, interfaith fellowship in our modern world. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.